Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery with me, Jody Stevens. I am here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions. We dive into the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of addiction and recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. Hey friends, thanks for hanging out. Genuine Life Recovery. We're talking about seven addiction treatments proven to be successful. Combining a few of these works, you know, they can be done on their own. Uh, Combining a few is what most people do or most people in the therapeutic world that work with addicts or um, even sponsors as well. And these are just some great ways to help individuals, people, you know, get and stay sober. So thanks for being with me. I haven't been here in a few weeks. Super bummed. I got COVID and had to take a few weeks off. Um, And then I'm moving back to an audio platform as opposed to audio video, which I was doing before. One of the reasons for that is I've been hired by the Life Change Center. I I moved to um, Nevada. For those of you that listen to me on the Fish radio station in Sacramento, my husband and I moved to Reno. And so I'm actually a media director for an opioid treatment center. Really excited about that. Life Change Center is what they're called. Uh, The LifeChangeCenter.org if you want to check them out online. And at any rate, I am producing a podcast for them as well, or I should say we are producing a podcast on the um, opioid epidemic, fentanyl, um, which is just killing thousands of people, okay? So it's it's really scary, the, the opioid epidemic. So that's really scary, but there's a lot of good news and there's a lot of new treatment options available. And so that podcast is called Recovery and Company. So I hope you'll check that out. And, and it launches on April 1st. And because of anonymity issues and stuff like that, it's a complete, just an audio podcast. So it's easier for me to just do two, two shows um, you know, at one time. And so that's why I've switched to an audio format so I can get more done. <laughs> and I'm also writing a blog for them um, as well, which you can find on their website. So my website, of course, is jodystevens.org. And you can listen to this podcast, which I hope that you will continue to do so. And you can listen to this podcast on my website, jodystevens.org, also iTunes and whatever app that you're listening through, you know, Spotify and all that. Um, And I'd appreciate it if you leave a review as well. And then also the Recovery and Company podcast is going to be available through all the apps as well. So, okay, so seven addiction treatments proven to be successful. The big one is cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. And this is, what this does is help people to recognize our negative or destructive thoughts. And those destructive thoughts, right, can lead to negative emotions, which can then lead to negative or destructive actions or behaviors. You've often heard the thing, well, hey, if you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel, and then you can change the way you act, right? And that's that's pretty much true. And negative emotions is one of the biggest causes of relapse with addiction and recovery. So recognizing the thoughts that are maybe leading to some of our behaviors is uh, super important, right? Because a lot of times with negative emotions, we may be trying to medicate with a substance to make ourselves feel better. So what's great is that by changing some of these negative automatic thoughts, 
We could also be treating not only the addiction, but maybe some of the underlying causes like anxiety and depression and stuff like that, because most people that suffer with an addiction have underlying issues or what's called co-occurring disorders. So like for me, I had an anxiety disorder. I had generalized anxiety and super bad insomnia that came with it. And so I was medicating like so I could sleep. I mean, I was literally drinking. There were other things, but I was drinking to treat my anxiety. Okay. And so with addiction, it's like peeling back the layers of the onion. I never stopped to think back then, well, why do I have anxiety? Why can't I sleep? Why am I so afraid? You know, all these things. And so I was just pouring the booze on top of it which was just bringing me deeper and deeper into um, my problems. And so had to remove the alcohol, had to remove the substance, and that then get into the anxiety issue. Why do I have anxiety? Then work on some of these cognitive behavioral techniques like breathing techniques and um, working on the negative thoughts so that I could sleep better, right? And so that's why... We have to look at some of the underlying issues when it comes to um, our addiction because that's one of the, the um, main ways that we can get and stay sober as well. And this this type of work is a little bit more, I mean, first you have to remove the substance and we'll talk about that. So you can't just, someone doesn't just come into recovery and you go, okay, we're going to do cognitive behavioral therapy. They'd be like, what? Because they, they may not even know if they want to get sober. So this is kind of a little bit further into the recovery, okay? Um, but cognitive behavioral you know, it's it's one of the most popular forms of therapy um, because it's proven to treat a lot of different things like anxiety and depression and um, the underlying issues of addiction. And the reason it's popular is because it's proven to work and it's faster than some of the psychoanalytical approaches. Remember, you've all seen the movie, like the person laying on the couch and, you know, we're going back to your childhood and we're analyzing your dreams and all that stuff. And that's not to say that that stuff doesn't work. I love that stuff. It's just harder to kind of get to where you want to go. But obviously, with addiction, one of the biggest issues is trauma. There's often childhood trauma and things that are repressed. So those approaches um, do work. But What's kind of cool with some of the cognitive behavioral stuff is that while you're working on changing your thoughts and changing your behaviors, a lot of times you can get into some of those issues of trauma or maybe childhood traumas or triggers faster because you may be kind of isolating some of those things, right? Um, and so that's why, so in other words, there's ways, like cognitive behavioral therapy is pretty vast, and there are ways of um, getting into some of that psychoanalytical stuff. For instance, if something happens to you and you find that you're you're afraid or you have this reoccurring thing where you keep doing something obsessively over and over again, you can stop and kind of analyze that and go, okay, why am I doing that? Work on the thoughts that are um, making that happen. And right. And so then begin to kind of look at, look at that 
and then change some of the thinking, which then can change some of the behavior patterns. So basically, you're isolating this one issue. And while you're doing that, oftentimes you can get back into what are some of those um, triggers or childhood issues that may be causing that, right? And so it's just, it's it's more targeted, it's more specific, um, if that makes sense. So Cognitive behavioral therapy in addiction, what it really works on doing is identifying triggers. So like for me, there was the anxiety, but but deeper than that, it was some social anxiety, performance anxiety, and then also um, there was some really, really deep self-esteem issues and beliefs that I had that weren't really true. And so those were the things that would trigger me to drink. So looking at what are those things that happen, whether it's emotions, you know, thoughts, people, situations, what are those things that cause me to stumble to fall into my addiction? So we identify those things and then work on um, new behaviors, better coping skills, and I actually did a couple series on ways to stay sober where we dig into more of this stuff like keeping a list, identifying triggers, right? How do you do that? How do you put some of these things into practice? So check out some of those other episodes. And so with cognitive behavioral therapy, it's also about looking at our negative thought patterns and then changing them. So a simple example may be you know, nobody likes me or whenever the boss is in a bad mood, it's because of something I did. <laughs> You know, I used to think that too. Usually it had nothing to do with me. But we, with with anxiety and things like that, a lot of times we think that, right? It's all about me, you know. Um, and sometimes those negative thoughts that aren't even true can trigger us to drink or use. So we want to identify those irrational thoughts, replace them. Okay, maybe a few people don't like me, but a lot of people do. There are many people that would like to be my friend. I mean, for years, I just would uh, catastrophize. And I did this my entire sobriety, not my entire sobriety. I don't do this so much anymore because I recognize when sort of this paranoia comes up and I go, okay, maybe those things were true a long time ago, but they're not true today, right? What is true today? Usually, usually, there are times in life when things are really hard and sometimes the worst case scenario happens. But most of the time, right, wouldn't you say that if, if you know, when you're expecting the worst case scenario, usually it's not. A lot of times it's somewhere in between or sometimes it ends up being way better than you thought. So it's really just recognizing the negative thought patterns and replacing it with, it's not Pollyannish like, oh, everything's perfect. It's just more what's true today. So because remember, the negative emotions is the number one cause of relapse. So we want to really be proactive. I mean, if you're trying to stay sober, you really got to work recognizing the irrational thoughts and the which can then trigger these irrational emotions and behaviors. Speaking of which, so so that's a little bit about Cognitive behavioral therapy. If you think about it, cognitive behavioral therapy, it's really just about recognizing the thought patterns that are leading to the negative emotions and behaviors and changing those. Then there's another form of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is called rational emotive behavioral therapy. And really, that's just talking about 
the the rational stuff that we were just mentioning. So because cognitive behavioral therapy is pretty vast, and so there's a lot of different techniques within it. And so the rational emotive behavioral therapy, it's more specific, it's more targeted, and it's a way to help people identify irrational beliefs. So we have these irrational emotions that we were talking about with cognitive behavioral, where we want to change that. This is kind of specific targeting the actual beliefs behind it, like the real beliefs, like what I was just talking about, like what's true. So it's really treating the same issues, but the methods are slightly different. One of the things that they that is used is called the ABC method, where we have an activating event. Let's say it's a trigger. It's something that happens, okay? And it's maybe a trigger that's causing me to drink. So this is when something happens, right, in the world, <laughs> in the environment around you that's that's causing you issues. So then there's a belief behind it. So that's the thoughts about the event or the situation. And then there's the consequence, which is our emotional response to the belief. So I walk into a room, I'm anxious, that's the activating event, right? No one likes me. And then I'm going to, I'm the consequence is that I run away and hide. Is, is that true? Is it possible that you could walk into a room and no one likes you? No, it's, it's really not. Um, I mean, it might be true for a few people, a few, you know, politicians or something. I'm, I'm just saying, but <laughs> surely there's one person that likes you, right? So you get the idea. So with cognitive behavioral, the goal is to change the behavior. With this rational emotive behavioral therapy, I didn't come up with the names of this stuff, but we want to challenge and change those underlying beliefs. So we, um, and so according to this theory, we have rational beliefs and then we all have irrational beliefs beliefs as well. And I would say that that is true. And a lot of these irrational beliefs can come from trauma, can come from if we weren't getting what we need when we were a child, we didn't get the love we need, or the people weren't there to help us that were supposed to be there to help us. When we get older, we can have some irrational beliefs that that's still true today, that nobody's there for me, no one can help me. And the reality is that's not true. It can feel very true emotionally. It can feel true with every single, um, every single piece of our being, because we were conditioned that way. But that doesn't necessarily make it true. So we want to challenge those irrational beliefs. The idea is that we have the power to think rationally within ourselves, within ourselves, right? And and I believe that's true. So another form of treating addiction is what's called contingency management, and it's basically just rewarding people. It's kind of like the Pavlonian thing. You do something good and, and you get a treat. And this is really, actually, it really works, particularly for people that are new in sobriety, because if you're brand new in sobriety, you're not going to sit down and do some deep cognitive thing because you're not even really sure if you want to change or not, right? You're, you're still kind of in this contemplative thing and it doesn't make a lot of sense initially to probably get into a lot of deep stuff 
it may simply be that we need to just remove the substance. And so this is really just reinforcing positive behavior to maintain sobriety by tangible rewards. The place that I'm working at where we're doing the podcast, they use a lot of this. Um, moms that come in and they're addicted to drugs and opioids. Some of them may be pregnant, things like that. And so they have a lot of like a reward system where if you come to group therapy, and, you know, do these the certain things to help yourself will give you, you know, a gas card, a baby stroller, things like that. And so some people think, oh, that's enabling. Well, it's not really enabling if you have the resources to do that. And remember, too, that a lot of people coming out of addiction, they're not super emotionally mature because they may have been treating a lot of their emotions with their addiction. And so oftentimes, I mean, we reward our kids. So oftentimes um, using this can be very effective initially till we can remove the substance, get the brain working correctly. Because remember, drugs and alcohol change our brain and our body. So we've got to get ourselves leveled out. So again, this contingency management can can uh, really help, right? It's just incentives to encourage people to stay off drugs. Again, it could be cash, like I said. It could be restaurant vouchers for getting a clean drug test. All these sorts of things may seem like not a big deal, but actually they, they, these things can work very well. So that's that's one way to do it. Um, another one is, uh, let's see, what number are we on? So I said we have seven. So we had cognitive behavioral therapy. That was number one. Number two was the rational emotive behavioral therapy, contingency management number three, 12-step groups. Um, number four, 12-step groups are great. I got sober through Alcoholics Anonymous. This is where we go to the group. We recognize our powerlessness over our addictions, right? And we, But it's also looking at some of a lot of these techniques are involved in 12-step where we understand the social, emotional, spiritual side of it too, the physical problems that we have in our addiction. We generally, it, you know, admitted we were powerless over our addictions. Our lives had become unmanageable. That's step one. And then there's acceptance. We accept, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves, God, can restore us to sanity. And then we move on, you know, to um, we'll get like a sponsor, someone to help us and work us through the 12 steps. And I did a, a series on uh, the 12 steps, what they are, why they work, how they work. So uh, listen to those episodes. But 12 step definitely helped me get and stay sober. The greatest thing about Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, is it's a community of people that are providing support to one another. So what's great about that is I think isolation breeds addiction. And a lot of times, you know, if you're trying to get sober, you've got to change your whole life. So that includes changing people, places, and things, right? So we want to change the people that we're hanging out with. We want to change the places we go to. So we're going to get some sober people in our life. Instead of the bar, we're going to go to meetings. Um, and then we're going to change a lot of the things that we do, hence people, places, and things. So using these 12-step groups along with all these other techniques can be very powerful. Another thing that is proven to work is motivational interviewing. I think we're on number five. So motivational interviewing is fairly new. 
And really what it is is just talking with the individual to figure out sort of their ambivalence to wanting to quit. So I don't know how many of you know about the levels of change. Well, there's levels of change. Whenever we're going to make a change, we have what's called pre-contemplation, which means we really haven't thought about changing. Then there's sort of this contemplation where we're looking at, so with addiction, we'd be thinking, well, I think maybe I have a problem. I'm not really sure I have a problem. And then we go on to actually making the change, then maintenance and stuff like that. So If someone is coming into addiction, they may be, or coming into therapy, they may be in this sort of contemplative state where they don't, they, they see that there are some problems in their life from their addiction, but they're not really ready to change, right? So if they're in that space, there's not a lot you can do other than kind of talk with them and work with them and try to help them to see the negative consequences that the addiction has caused and move them closer to where they want to change. So, right, like I said earlier, if somebody comes in and and they want help for their addiction, you're not just going to send them to the 12-step group because they don't really think they have a problem yet, right? They're not really sure. You're not going to start doing all this cognitive behavioral and psychoanalysis stuff because they don't even know if they want to change. So this technique really involves conversations that help people to increase their motivation. So you might work with them to recognize the difference between how they're living now and how they want to live in the future. So I might ask questions like, what are some of your goals? What are some of your dreams? You know, you mentioned that you wanted a job. You mentioned that you wanted to do this. So what's keeping you from doing that? If your life was perfect right now, what would you be doing? You may say something like, what are you getting from your addiction? What what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? So it's really just exploring... Um, reasons we're doing what we're doing, you know, so like with weight loss, I'm trying to do this with myself. For me, I want to be healthy when I get older. And the decisions I make now are really going to affect that. But yet I keep overeating and eating chocolate and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to sort of even do this modal motivational interviewing with myself. So, so what am I getting from eating right now? I'm getting stress relief and but yet I don't really feel good about myself so wouldn't it be better to look at the long-term goal and not overeat now because I want to be healthy when I get older and things like that so it's really just exploring like why am I ambivalent about this what what's causing me not to change and moving the person towards change so that's a form of motivational interviewing and it's actually proven to be pretty pretty successful to help move people towards recovery and then one of the things that you do you know what you can do is it's kind of you know how like with your kids you'll say okay you can do your homework now or later but if you do it later you won't get dessert or something like that so one of the things you can do is after you talk with a person you can give them a couple options so you really want to put the recovery into their hands you're not telling them what to do you're exploring with them the options and that's part of the motivational interviewing so i might say 
Um, so there's a couple different techniques. There's some medication that can help you detox. And then there's, you know, 12-step groups that have been proven to help people. There's great counselors. You know, which one of those sounds like a good idea to you? So you explore together, which then generally will help the person make a decision towards their recovery. The other part of addiction is detox. So you can't get sober unless you detox. So what, what that, that's number six, I think. So let's, and I've mentioned this many times on my show, my brother died of his addiction uh, with alcohol. Well, super sad, I know. Well, all, with alcohol, detoxing from alcohol and detoxing from benzos like Xanax and things like that can actually kill you. So if someone's trying to get sober and they have developed a tolerance, they're going to need to detox first. There's different ways of detoxing because withdrawal can be difficult, as I said, uh, even life-threatening. So there's different medications that, that we can take that can slowly detox us because a lot of people are so afraid of detox that it keeps them from getting sober for years and years and years and years. So it's imperative that detoxification is available for people that have developed tolerance to take some of those withdrawal symptoms down. And then finally, there's treatment with medication. So the place where I work, like the Life Change Center, they offer methadone as well, which helps people come down from opioids, from heroin. Uh, so medication can be super important. Also, even if, let's say, you have an underlying disorder of depression, you have severe anxiety like me. There was a time then when I was on anti-anxiety, anti-depression for a time. Sometimes we need those things to help us to stabilize so we can reduce the craving, we can improve our mood, we can decrease some of those addictive behaviors, right? There's also medications. The One of them's called like Anabuse. I don't know how well that works. I know my brother was on that for a while where you take it and if you drink, it makes you sick. There's also medication for like heroin and opioid addiction where let's say, so you're taking this medication. Let's say your, your quote friend comes over and you have a slip and you shoot up heroin. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. It doesn't. It blocks the neurotransmitters and stuff like that. I'm not a brain scientist, but it blocks you from getting high. So there's a lot of different um, medications and things like that that can help people reduce their addictive behavior. All right. So I hope that this was helpful for you. We talked about cognitive behavioral therapy, rational emotive behavioral therapy, contingency management, 12-step motivational interviewing, detox, and uh, treatment with medication. So there are other ways to treat addiction, but those are just some of them. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this program. I'd love to hear from you. Please share this show on social media too, or with anybody you know who struggles with addiction, maybe friends or family. And I'd love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening through. 
leave a comment if you would. And you, again, you can listen on my website, which is jodystevens.org. Just click podcasts. And if you have an amazing recovery story, um, I would love to feature you on the program as well. You can email me. It is genuinelife at jodystevens.org. So thanks for being here, friends, and I'll talk to you next time.